Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park We're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Give me a high five. All right, cut and print. Beautiful guys. Dynamite. Hello. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Folks, uh, we are coming to you on Halloween Day. Um, just a couple of days ago, uh, comedy took a big hit. Uh, Mr. John Witherspoon from the Friday Trilogy. I mean, you name it. I don't, there's, there's so many things. Friday Trilogy, The Boondocks, Vampire in Brooklyn, Black Jesus... He was uh, Martin's uncle on that one episode of Martin. Yep. You know, um, uh, just a an iconic black actor uh, passed away at seventy seven years old. Um, it's it really is it's a it's a big hit because he's one of those actors where you just he's just always around. You always just expect to see pops. You know pop up in something. Bang bang bang. Mm-hmm. He has all these catchphrases. Yeah. Not from one singular. You know how like a catchphrase is usually from like a show. Yeah, his catchphrases are just his catchphrases that he can bring into a a show. Yeah, with no bearing around the storyline of the show, he just can come in, bang bang bang, tenderoni, uh-huh. macaroni, <laughs> uh, just so many uh, just classic things that he says, man. Yeah. Little songs. I at most weddings I will break out a Mick Jagger dance that I stole from John Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. His John, his his. Uh, his dance that he when he does a Mick Jagger impression I do the Pops Mick Jagger dance when I hit the dance floor and you know dance at weddings that is what I'm doing I'm not doing Mick Mick Jagger I'm doing John Witherspoon you know so um, you know condolences to his family I mean this really was a big loss I mean who's who's Whose earliest memory, if you're not a '90s baby, isn't seeing Friday? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a there's a few of those movies that you just kind of remember. You always your earliest memory is like I don't know. We were on the couch and we were at all at grandma's house, all the cousins, and we were watching Friday, yeah. eating chips or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is that. I feel like that's like kind of one of those. Sometimes you're on Twitter and you're like, did we all have the same childhood? Yeah. You know, everybody's like, man, when you do this with that, or you get up to go to the pencil sharpener so everybody can see your outfit, mm-hmm. and you're like, damn, did everybody just? Everybody did the same thing. Uh, John Witherspoon is a part of that through line for a lot of people of all, you know, races and backgrounds, but specifically like black people. I mean, yeah. 
these movies are, you know, classic movies in the in a lot of homes, and he's a like a staple in a lot of black homes. Back, you know, his catchphrases, like I said. So, um, what is your favorite John Witherspoon? Anything, you know, w- hmm. whether it's a, a scene, a joke. Two, I got uh, two of them. Um, my first one, I I'll, I just be saying it randomly. He goes, uh-huh. and Friday he goes, "Hey Craig, get on your feet, Antonio." <laughs> Beat your meat? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious to me. And then another one, he goes, he be like, you have to do That's my favorite, man. Man, yeah. Uh, so so as as somber as a as an event that at this as this is as, as his passing, um, it was really cool to see the night that he passed on Twitter, everybody was just sharing, you know, their yeah. favorite John Witherspoon moments and he brought a lot of just effortless he was one of the most effortless comedians. Mm-hmm. I've ever seen and, and as somebody who's done stand up and, and, and tried to do things like that it is really underrated as a, um, a, for a person to just be effortlessly funny it, yeah. he, he was effortlessly, fun, effortlessly funny Bernie Mac is another person that just could say anything Yeah, just they could just say anything wash the car today I took the car to do this and it's he, how they sell it. It's just how they how yeah. they sell it, how they said it. Yeah. John Witherspoon was up there. There, yeah. there aren't many people who could just say anything. Mm. I, was, I was washing the car. Yeah. The motherfucker, the motherfucker came and you know just say anything, and you're just on the floor laughing at mm. anything. You know. Uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite pops moments is from next Friday when he goes to Craig is you know in trouble mm-hmm. in uh up in Rancho Cucamonga mm-hmm. and he's on the way and he stops to get uh you know a, a burrito you know yeah. hot sauce on my burrito baby and then he goes to the bathroom cuz I get you know and then Stanley from the first Friday uh-huh. comes out oh Mr. Jones hey what's going on hey Stanley what's going on man let me get past you oh man uh you know it's crazy i had to move out of the old neighborhood he's talking to him but you know he's got a shit really bad right yeah. so he's like you know i had to move out of the old neighborhood the crime's getting really bad you know i had to <laughs> you know, he goes, I got to go to the bathroom. He goes, oh, Mr. Jones, whoa, huh? you shouldn't go in there for at least 35, 45 minutes. Get the fuck out of my face, Stanley! And he, and he just, he just, he just. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a part before that. It's oh. like these one of them parts where it go like, only I thought it was funny. When uh-huh. the, and he was like, when he goes, he's, when he got to use the bathroom, he needs to key to the bathroom. Uh-huh. He was like, I want to buy no damn hubcap. <laughs> and they get the <laughs> 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 key. The key was on the hubcap so people can't steal it. I got to go to the bathroom, man. I don't want to buy no damn hubcap. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, man. So I recommend any, I mean, I don't know oh, who doesn't man. know who John Witherspoon yeah, is, man. but I mean, just look up a John Witherspoon compilation if you don't have time to go oh. sit through three movies and three, se- I mean, his performance, him and Regina King yeah. on the Boondocks, mm-hmm. their voiceover acting they have said some of the most iconic, funny ass lines. Gang recognize grand, gang granddad. You looking kind of unfamiliar? I recognize gang. <laughs> you know, like I uh, mean, his voice is gonna be one that is really incredibly yeah. missed. They were supposed to be rebooting the Boondocks. I don't even know if they should. I mean, nah. it's not the same. And as 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 much as I think the culture needs another Boondocks season. I don't want to hear some fake yeah. a person doing the John Witherspoon impression. You know, mm-hmm. it just it's not the same. Um, I guess I'd have to see, but I honestly just don't. I, it's not something I'm I'm interested in yeah. seeing because it just kind of the heart of the show got taken out mm-hmm. of it. You know, um, he reminds me of um, in a way like because we we about we were about twenty seven twenty eight. Yeah, he reminds me of because we were born in the nineties. Him and Morgan Freeman is like. They've been the same age for like yeah, 
ever. Yeah, he's like, just always us. like 55. <laughs> he just is always. But what's funny is, and I'm not really familiar with his work, he kind of had a resurgence. He worked okay. with Richard Pryor. He was yeah. around in the yeah. 70s. I He's been doing that. stand-up for years, mm-hmm. decades. And then he kind of blew back up, mm-hmm. you know, as an older man. Yeah. You know, he was he was around in his, you know, 20s and 30s. Probably still continued to do stand-up and make a living doing mm-hmm. comedy. And then, you know, the 80s and late 80s, early 90s came around. And they're like, who is this fucking yeah. dude that's like everybody's dad, you know? And then he became everybody's granddad, yeah. you know? Like, that, his performance in the first Friday... Cause he's so ugly, man. Yeah. He's just so ugly. He knows he's ugly, licking his, fin- <laughs> you know, and eating grapes and all uh-huh. these things. He's just so good at physical comedy and so many things. So rest in peace to John Witherspoon. I want to take this minute to just kind of shout out other comedians that I feel like, and just actors in general. I want to say, um, I love Jerry Stiller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is one of my favorite performers, and I think Jerry Stiller's still hanging on. I don't know if he's still. I haven't seen him in anything, mm-hmm. but you might, you know, you know, Jay Stiller is, you know, George Costanza's dad mm-hmm. on Seinfeld. He was uh, the Doug's father-in-law on yeah. King of Queens. And Jerry Stiller is just so fucking funny, man. He's so he start, fucking funny. Starts to yell and shit. Yes. You know, <laughs> oh, what are you saying? You know, like, <laughs> so I just want to give people their flowers while they're still here, yeah. man. I, we yeah. both love Danny DeVito tremendously. Oh, man. That's you know, uh, that's going to be a rough day. Yeah. You know, I, I hope it doesn't come for a long time because Danny DeVito has brought, he's another guy who's just been around. Yeah. Matilda, all these things, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And then he went on. Uh, Always Sunny and it's just been hilarious for a decade plus I think that show is the most underrated show ever you know they're able to be edgy and not cross the line too much I just was watching one from the last season the first episode was like a musical where they all turn black Black? and then Charlie gets shot and it is shocking because they show they show a black kid getting shot but they know how to they're presenting a message they are intelligent Mm -hmm. and they're not just doing it for shock's sake they are yeah. giving you a message even yeah. if it is shocking you know so I want to just you know I, I can't really think of uh, a whole bunch of other people right now off the top of my head I would say Sam Jackson is another guy who just but I don't think Sam Jackson isn't getting his flowers mm-hmm. you know so I can't really think of anybody else right now you can barely think of actors in general yeah so I won't I won't <laughs> I won't no, put you on the spot don't. to try to name one that's like your favorite guy but you don't really see much but um, I encourage everybody to just kind of you know, if you have a Twitter, whatever, it can mean you might think it means nothing, but just I like to just get out there and express and give my flowers while I can, while a person can still read it. Mm-hmm. You know, John Witherspoon had a Twitter, never got verified. Yeah, I know. Which I, saw, is, you I know, was which, just on it the other day. Which yeah. is nuts. You know, like you, 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 you would think a guy. Every black person knows John Witherspoon. Yeah, I don't think that's hyperbole. I don't think I'm being over dramatic. There aren't. There's not a black person. Who, even if the name, if it's somehow you don't know the name, you know the face. Yeah. You, there aren't many people walking around look like John Witherspoon, sound like John Witherspoon. Every black person knows who John Witherspoon is. And I know it kind of seems like it's probably nothing, especially in the grand scheme of things. Like a guy, uh, he passed away. That yeah. was probably the last, he wasn't thinking about that. But I think Hollywood. That's why the Tyler Perry thing was so big to me because. He was saying, you know, Hollywood is not recognizing these incredible actors that mean so much to this group of people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Twitter not recognizing who John Witherspoon is and what he means to people enough to go, here's a blue check. You know, yeah. like it, it's this it's this little thing, but it's indicative of a bigger conversation of like, oh, there's people who are legendary people to 
to black people and even Hispanic people, these actors that mean so much who mm. don't get cast in Hollywood movies anymore just for some reason that doesn't even really, you know, I don't know, who's that guy? He wasn't really, he was barely hanging on, mm. but he's like in every everything ever. Yeah. We talked about a couple weeks ago, the black dude from... um. Uh, from the Jackson Jackson Five American Dream movies, mm-hmm. whose name is escaping me right now, but he's a dude who I know him as Marcus from Smart Guy. Yeah, he's just he was just a guy who was in everything, yeah. recognizable for the rest of his life. Doesn't work anymore, and as far as I know, he's not getting any roles. You know, so you know those pe- those those unsung people, those people who time forgets about if they mean something to you. Reach out, you know, send a fan letter. I don't know, take it old school, mm-hmm. you know, but let's give people flowers where they're still here, man, because. Um, John Witherspoon was special. Yeah. You know, he was a hilarious, funny, funny, funny guy. And a lot of stuff that would have brought a lot of people more joy is affected by his passing. You know, mm-hmm. there's not going to... I don't want to see another Friday movie. Right. You know, obviously that's been in talks for like... I feel like that's like the Dr. Dre album. Like mm-hmm. it just never... But but Ice Cube is always like, eh, if we can get everybody on the same page, we'll do another one. I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah. The Boondocks. I'm I'm good. I don't, it just doesn't feel right, you know. So those are two iconic things that won't ever go forward to yeah. me because you can't. It's not the same, right? So you know, rest in peace to John Witherspoon. We're starting off on kind of a somber mood, but on the on a on a lighter note, uh, your baby shower was just over this past weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, great time, mm-hmm. you know. I was I thought I was gonna have an existential moment that um didn't come because uh. The people we grew up with don't know how to come to stuff on time or don't or don't come. Yeah. But I thought I was going to have this moment where I'm the guy that doesn't have kids. Mm-hmm. And then, like, our group of childhood friends are all there with their kids. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, damn. Am I am I behind or whatever? You know, and oh. I didn't have that moment. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I wouldn't really. It would have just been a brief moment. Right. It would have been a brief kind of thing. Yeah. But it didn't happen. And it was just a fun, cool time. Yep. Eat, ate cake. Opened up presents, yep. you know, it was fun. And, you know, it, it really is cool, man. Two kids, man. It's, it's yeah. really wild uh, that I remember being in, like, in the sixth grade. Yeah. You know, and, and now you have a second child on the way. Yeah. And, you know, times are good, man. Congratulations. It Thank was a fun you. time, like I said. So that's, we'll lighten that up again before we talk about a couple more things before we jump into the fucked up shit for the week. Um. <clears throat> The uh, California wildfires that are taking place. Obviously, it's super fucked up that they're always... It feels like California's just always burning. Right. You know, like, I feel like we just... They just keep rolling into the other one. Like, they never got this fire out, and then this one's out. LeBron James, who... He's the last person that we need to be concerned about Mm -hmm. uh, his house burning down because, you know, he'll get another one. But it goes to the fact that, you know... When when Mother Nature goes awry, everybody's affected. Yeah. Now, some people can recover better than that, but all that status and money and all, it doesn't matter. When the fire's coming, you got to leave your house like everybody else. Yeah. You get displaced like everybody else, you know? And that kind of brought, I didn't know there were still fires going on. Because I just thought there was, there's always, they're always putting out fires, but apparently this one is the timing of it. There's winds coming and all these kind of things. I don't know. Rainy season is supposed to be coming to California, but we do have some California listeners, so prayers to them. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're in the vicinity or in the you know the line of fire you know of that you know brush fire traveling. But when I found out LeBron James' house was going to burn, I was like, wait, this is like a real. This is like th- it's still happening. Yeah, you know, so that made me look into it. And it's, it is burn. Stuff is burning. People are being evacuated. It is. It is no joke at all, man. Mm-hmm. Is and that's just another reason. As as beautiful as California is to me, 
I'll just visit, man. You know, yeah. I'm I'm good, man. They got earthquakes, uh, you know, f- fires just happening. Everybody's pretty sure that fucking San Diego's just gonna fall off soon. Really? When the, when the tectonic plates shift, there's there they think there's gonna be some uh event soon. Not like next year, but mm-hmm. like in the next fifty hundred years, something mm-hmm. like that. And I'll, oh, so that, I won't be that, here. Okay. Yeah, but you won't be in California anyway. I would yeah, assume. Yeah, sure. I don't know. But they just think the tectonic plates are gonna shift, and a part of California is just gonna fall off. Hmm. Like you know, his own so, island or something? Huh? Just, into a, just turn into his own island? Or just fall into the ocean like a bunch of rocks. Whoa, you okay. know, so I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I just, I kind of just regurgitate things I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of regurgitating things I've I've heard, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, who we spoke about briefly on this podcast, I don't really like to talk about him too much because, you know, the motherfucker wasn't just some creepy pedophile-ish dude. Mm-hmm. He, he was mixed up in some dark shit. Yeah. Um, his death is being questioned. They hired an outside coroner. Mm-hmm. Because apparently he hung himself after being on suicide watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that was bullshit. Everybody knew it was bullshit when we heard it. Uh, an independent coroner hired by his family has concluded that it is possible that he was killed. And it was it was a homicide, not a suicide. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'll say is, and this is all I really have to say on it, is I just want to get the facts as I know them out there. And people who don't believe, you know, because this was kind of... This 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 was a world crosser. Mm-hmm. Like people who are big time conspiracy theorists and people who think those people are crazy. Mm-hmm. Even the people who think that the conspiracy theorists are crazy were like, oh, "This is okay." So he flew around the world mm-hmm. with Bill Clinton and Donald Trump and all these big time powerful figures. He's a he's a pedophile wrangler. Like he he procures the young women, mm-hmm. and he got locked up. And before he could really stand a day in trial and speak or whatever, he dies. Yeah. He kills himself after already trying to kill themselves. And when they put you on suicide watch in prison, they take your shoelaces, the yeah. bed sheets off the bed. They're so, watching you. Yeah. So, but here's here's the facts as I know them. Mm-hmm. The cameras on his floor malfunctioned. Mm-hmm. All of them. So there's mm-hmm. no footage of this. Uh, he was on suicide watch and somehow was able to hang himself. And... Uh, there, there's a possibility that he worked for some kind of intelligence agency, mm-hmm. whether it's the CIA, FBI, I don't know. And um, um, Joe Rogan brought up a good point on his podcast, which was he sat, he, Joe Rogan has sat down and talked to a lot of intelligence agents and a lot of ways that they get their jobs done as far as like destabilizing governments, mm-hmm. getting you know people to flip on people and testify in court is they get dirt on you, mm-hmm. you know? So... Him flying all these politicians and big time people to these islands and them having sex with children, you get some photos of that, some evidence that I whatever. Now that person's in your pocket. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a there's a reason for this dude that in the world where you believe these things, there's a reason that some higher up person would go, no, get him out of here. Yeah. He doesn't need to be sitting in a court and saying anything. Yeah. Because he might say the wrong name. Yeah. So um, that's all I really have to say on Jeffrey Epstein. I don't really like to talk I'm I like to talk about like bullshit conspiracies yeah like, oh man aliens and uh, that's fun mm-hmm. some of this shit is real yeah. and dark and I don't like talking about it on a hot mic that's why I just listen I yeah <laughs> so I don't know anything everything I just <laughs> we said is, don't know yeah, anything everything that we just uh sp- talked about secondhand information I've done no research and I know nothing and um all I know is Jeffrey Epstein was dealing around with some underage girls and yeah. that's super fucked up and gross. That's and facts. That's though. that's facts. Everything else I just said could be <laughs> argued and I yeah. don't know and I don't know them and I know nothing. And I just want to leave it at that. 
Uh, moving on, before we go into the fucked up shit, I want to say, I want to put my fist up in solidarity with the Chicago's teachers. Uh, they've been going on strike. There's been strikes happening all around the country with these teachers unions. Mm-hmm. Um, their classes are overpopulated. They're not making enough money to survive. And, and, and these people are in charge of the future. Yeah. You know, so pay them what they need to get paid. Give them resources. These teachers, a lot of, I'm hearing a lot of like, the people who they're, you know, the, you know, the it's like the teachers union versus the school district. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are saying, like, let's come to a deal for the kids. Mm-hmm. But these teachers aren't just striking because they want $10,000 more or whatever. They're like, we want school resources. Yeah. We want uh, guidance counselors in these schools. Because a lot of these teachers that are um, striking are in, like, poor districts. Yeah. And they're like, these kids are hungry. We can't, I can't, I'm a teacher. I can't. Uh, counsel a kid whose brother just got shot. Yeah. I don't have the, I don't have the resources to help that kid. So we need a guidance counselors and therapists and things in these schools. They need these things, or it just won't work. And before I, you know, we jump the break. I've spoken, maybe not on mic, but like me and my buddy JJ, who was on the podcast. You know JJ. He was in the podcast a while ago. People were like, "Give him a mic." Like he was just in the, he was in the room. He doesn't yeah. need a mic. We don't have just mics laying around. <laughs> but anyway, I was talking to JJ a few years back. I genuinely believe in there's nothing to I've seen nothing that refutes my my case. Mm-hmm. I believe that within the next 10 to 15 years there will be no more public school. What is the dropout rate? I'm sure it has increased. Oh, it's years. definitely I'm sure it's increased. You know, I'm especially public school specifically. Yeah. But they want you to everything's going to be a private school or a charter school. Yeah. And if you can't afford to do those things, then you will just be on the street. Your yep. kid will not your kid will be truant, you will get in trouble. People the 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 jail the jail rates will go up yep. for parents going to jail for like you know you get those truancy your kids truant you get like sixty days in jail hmm. those those numbers are gonna shoot through the roof this is my opinion but those numbers are gonna shoot through the roof because I'm seeing no there's no push to to fund public school more mm-hmm. and there's more of a push of okay it's almost like they're sabotaging the schools mm-hmm. like they're giving the public schools no money so people who can afford are like I'm not sending my kid to public yeah. school I'm gonna send my kid to private school yep. which defunds public school even more yep. because you're taking money out of the school because they kind of get paid per kid I mm-hmm. believe you know and they lose you know funding and all these things but based on kids so then these public schools are closing down yeah. in these neighborhoods and kids are gonna have to catch buses to you know places that are super far out and if you can't do that your kids just gonna like stay home yeah. and then once they kind of get the ball rolling on this where charter schools and private schools are just the norm they'll offer some kind of bullshit at home uh homeschooling uh you know app where your kid can put a cd in the computer and get lessons and that's not going to be a valid education it's going to mean nothing it's going to be kind of like getting your ged no disrespect to people that got their ged but today you need at least a two-year college degree to get a good job yeah unless you go into business for yourself which i highly recommend or you get a trade job which i I also highly recommend i think they need to bring trade programs back into these schools because some of these kids don't give a fuck about being a doctor it's like i need a job make me a plumber's apprentice and and when i in two years i can be making money yeah that is speaks to these kids more than well, yeah, you go to school for four years. Then after that, you try to get a job. You get an internship making bullshit money. You do that internship for like three years. And then after that, maybe you'll make a lot of money, you know, possibly. But probably not. You'll probably fire you and you got to do the same thing over again yeah. somewhere else. And it's like, I'm 17 and people are getting killed in my neighborhood. I need money in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Like, I need enough money to move out of my neighborhood in the next three years. Yeah. You know? That's why my child is in private school. 
Yeah, I understand. What yeah. what uh what you weren't really afforded much of a choice. The public schools that you looked at, looked at around you probably weren't the best rated schools. Right. I would assume, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like you have the money to do it, mm-hmm. even if it's even if you're not balling out of control. It's worth it to you. Yeah. To make the investment. I'd make the sacrifice. That's yeah. Fine. To for your kid to get a good education mm-hmm. in a school where you know kids getting stabbed with pencils is like that's strange. Yeah. That never happens. And if it happened, everybody would be shocked. A lot of these public schools in Baltimore City, um. Things like that are just like uh, that's just that's just today. Yeah, you know, it's a hard work environment. And it's a hard learning environment, and I feel bad for the kid that stabbed the kid with a pencil because he needs to talk to somebody. Yeah, and they're just like, go to your next class, put him in a special class where just isolate him from the kids who don't stab kids with pencils, and nobody ever talks to that kid. And then eventually he drops out, and he's just on the school. I mean, on the streets mm-hmm. with the ability to. He's so desensitized that he can stab people with pencils, and now he's on the street and, you know, a victim of that. Yeah. Ends up in prison. You know, the prison pipeline is real, man. Yeah. Being on the teacher's side, it's like if you're not going to pay them, you know, what they need to live, to make a living. Why do this? That and if you're not going to pay them, make our job easier. For sure, give us like give you gotta give something's got to. Like, money's give us not something. going to me. It makes <laughs> make me feel like well, the money's exactly. going to the school. Exactly. You know, like I mean, there's there's re- the kids are doing good exactly. in some kind of way. They're getting the help they need, even if it's still the 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 grades aren't going up. Mm-hmm. These kids aren't going home hungry. These kids are being able to talk to somebody because there was. I mean, Chicago has had crazy weekends where it's like fifty seven shot. Yeah. Throughout the whole South Side, you know, like nuts. Yeah. People, those kids, they need to deal with that. That's trauma. And they just expect, are expected to go to school and read about fucking Frederick Douglass? No disrespect, but right. they're not, they don't care. Teachers can't teach, be a goddess counselor, uh, the police, buy supplies, the, and watch your child. Bodyguard. That like, thing about the teachers, <laughs> we're going to have some teachers get guns. That's insane. Do you know how much money I make a year? <laughs> and you want me to go take gun training lessons? Yeah. And then if a come, somebody comes in here, you want me to go into a gunfight? Yeah. Come on, man. We're asking a lot of these teachers, man. That's nuts. And if a, a kid tries to attack you, yeah, I have, you got, I have a gun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I won't shoot this thing. Sorry. <laughs> All right, some of these kids are strong these days, man. Ain't stronger than his bullet. Okay, well we're gonna move on. Uh, <laughs> we we do not uh, we do not I'm recommend not shooting kids on this podcast. That is <laughs> man, these kids out here beating the shit out of teachers. What <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about? Shit. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. In honor of John Witherspoon, a guy who did it his way every day, all the time. He was always himself, 100%. We're going to play Frank Sinatra's My Way. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around. Final curtain, my friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few All right, and we are back. Fran, I believe it is your turn to go first this week. 
Yeah. So uh, please take it away. So my story this week, a firm murder this week is about the murder of Brian Brian Wells. Brian Wells. Brian Wells. Now, you know the story. Everybody, this, the name this episode sure. know mm-hmm. the story. Once I get into it, okay. I just I recently saw the story again on TV, so I was like, you know what, Brian I want to do that story. Okay, Brian Wells. Okay. <clears throat> so Brian Wells, a high school dropout, had worked as a pizza delivery man mm-hmm. at the Mamma Mia's Pizzeria in Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. For 10 years, uh, he worked at the pizza pizzeria for 10 years before his death. Mm-hmm. On the afternoon of August 28, 2003, Wells received a call to deliver two pizzas to 8631 Peach Street, address mm-hmm. a few miles from the pizzeria. Mm-hmm. The address was WSEE's TV's transmitting tower at the end of a dirt road. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. You know, you know the story? Oh, now? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yep. According to law enforcement reports, Wells participated in a planning for the bank robbery and was aware of the complex, the complex plot. Upon arriving the television tower, Wells found out found that the plot had changed and learned that the bomb was real. So they planted a bomb on this guy's neck. Uh-huh. If you, I know you guys know the story. Yeah, he thought and the he bomb thought was, was fake, fake, but it was real. Mm. I don't give a fuck if it's real or fake. You're not putting. No, I don't put this fake bomb right in there. It's fake though. Yeah, no, okay. especially not today because like <laughs> the police would just shoot you for having a bomb on you. Yeah, you know. For sure. So it's not like. Uh, you just have to worry about it being fake or real. It's about you have to worry about the perceived threat. Right. Somebody just shooting you as soon as you do, they really roll up on you. Yeah. So the details of what occurred at the tower that led to the bomb being attached to Wells' neck have never been firmly established. Mm. But evidence suggests that Kenneth Barnes was present at the time. After the bomb was placed, Wells Wells was giving sophisticated homemade a homemade shotgun, mm-hmm. which had the appearance of an unusual unusually shaped cane. I don't know how. To, like, well, what you want me to do with this? <laughs> it's it's a cane with like a trigger. They put like a trigger on it. Just some bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, man, this is not gonna this work. This looks like a Halloween costume. <laughs> um, they said which had an appearance of an unusually shaped cane. The nine pages of handwritten instructions mm. was instructed to claim that three black men had forced a bomb on him and were holding so him as he starts. So we just said somebody so <laughs> last week. Sick of this shit, man. So sick of this shit, man. So sick. Of it. Oh man. So Wells' family disputes this account of the events at the television tower and have stated that Wells was um, held at gunpoint by strangers and forced to participate. The instructions addressed to the bomb hostage listed a series of strict, strictly timed tasks to collect keys that would delay the, the detonation and eventually defuse it. Mm. It also warned that Wells would be under constant surveillance and any attempts to attack authorities, to contact authorities, would result in the bomb's detonation. Act now, think later, or you will die. Was was scribbled at the bottom of the instructions. The first task was to quietly enter the PNC Bank on Peach Street and give the teller a note demanding two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and to use his shotgun to threaten anyone who was not co- cooperating or attempting to flee. Upon entering the bank around two thirty, Wells slid the note to the teller. The note stated that. In 15 minutes, the bomb would explode. At the full amount, um, at the full amount, must be handed over within that time. And able to access the vault that quickly, the teller gave Wells a bag of eight thousand dollars. Mm. Well, it was eight thousand seven hundred and two dollars to be exact. That's probably what she just had right there at the till. Yep. Um, which is what she took out the bank. So at 2.38, a witness called 911 from the bank and reported a male leaving the bank with a bomb or something wrapped around his neck. Mm. 
This is the first known emergency call for the for the incident. Um, yeah. So if you guys don't know what this 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 gun looked like, I mean, it was a cane. Yeah. With a trigger and some, I guess, some extra blocks on it to make it look like it had like a chamber on it. Or something. Yeah, it but was not, it was silly looking. Yeah. Also, with this story, um, when it gets to it at the end, it gets a little deeper to you know this whole like this whole thing, the context mm-hmm. of this whole thing. I didn't, I didn't even know about. So that's why I wanted to do this story because I thought it was like some extra shit I didn't even know about this story. So around 15 minutes after Wells left the bank, police spotted him standing outside his Geo Metro and promptly, his Geo Metro and promptly arrested him. Handcuffing him and leaving him sitting on the ground in the parking lot. I remember seeing the, the footage of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Wells yeah. claimed that three un, <laughs> unnamed black people had placed a bomb around his neck. So he's saying this while he's on the ground because yeah. what for anybody who hasn't seen, there's evil evil genius there's a, there's yeah, a special yeah, about yep. it on Netflix mm-hmm. um, that that part of that is kind of inaudible. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was saying me either. There's yeah. black some black guys did this to me. Yeah, ain't wow. no black people doing that. No. <laughs> like that's come on, cra- that's so weird. Cause like they, there weren't, there there weren't. So is he still pretending that is? You know, like I don't. He got this bomb around his neck, so he's doing whatever those people told him to do when these instructions. Yes, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So um, provided. So he said the unnamed black people placed the bomb around his neck, provided him with the shotgun, and told him that he had to commit the robbery and several other tasks, um, or he would be killed. Or they would kill him. Mm-hmm. The responding police officers did not attempt to disarm the device. Instead, focusing on clearing the immediate area of pedestrians and ensuring that Wells could not detonate the device. Mm-hmm. The bomb squad was first called at 3.04 p.m. And um, at least 30 minutes after the 911 call from the bank. But only about 10 minutes after Wells was arrested. Now, I couldn't imagine being sit here. Handcuffed with a a bomb around my yeah. neck, and not you just not knowing what's next. No, I, you don't even got the option to try to that fuck, say fuck it. Terrifying. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to take it off me and throw it. You don't even because now you're handcuffed and you're just in the middle of the I road. I know that's terrifying. Oh my there. god, I couldn't even. Mm. Um. So at three eighteen, ticking. Yep. Yep. Mm. At three eighteen p.m., three minutes before the bomb squad arrived, the bomb detonated. Mm. And blast a fist-sized hole in Wells' chest, oh. killing him in minutes. Traffic congestion in the area delayed the bomb squad arrival, which mm. is, I mean, that's just unfortunate. Very. Um, but personnel from the ATF still consider it a approximately a quick response. So either way, they got, even though they got caught in traffic, they still got there in Pretty a decent quickly, amount of time. But just not quick enough. But it's just it was nothing they can do. So although WJET TV. An Erie-based ABC affiliate broadcast the event live on air. They did not show the moment of detonation live due to technical problem. Um, they did provide the footage of FBI investigators, ABC's head office, and their sister station in Buffalo, New York. It subsequently leaked through unknown means to a shock jock on DC 101 radio station in Washington, Washington D.C., mm. who posted it on the website in September 2003. Although he subsequently removed the video... WJET TV's request by then it had been posted to numerous other video sharing websites. I mean, and I'm sure that dumb. dude got in a lot of trouble back then, but that's just world star now. Yeah. Like that's just they put the little thing where it's like, are you cool with seeing some fucked up shit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you it's not some kind of shot. They put a murder on the internet. Yeah. Just, that's just the internet now. Yeah. Man, it's a but lot once of, somebody once it's up, it's everywhere. Share it and it's yeah, going to yeah. grab people yeah. going to grab it, put mm-hmm. it in, it's, it's too late by then. 
Although the note claimed that Wells would get would, would gain extra time for each found key. That's bullshit. Yeah, police later traveled the route on the note and could not complete it in the time that um in, t- in the time that the note um allotted to Wells. In other words, regardless of what had unfolded, Wells would not have had enough time to um, defuse the bomb. Yeah. Hey, also, hey, I don't think the bomb was that complicated where it's like, oh, I got the key. Put it in, twist it. Now you get 15 more minutes. Yeah. Like, they are, they, it's no. not fucking Zelda. No. <laughs> you got to find three keys to put them all in the yeah, shit and turn them. Come on, man. No. no. They knew what they was doing. Um, so Wells was allegedly drawn into the plot through Barnes whom he knew through a mutual acquaintance named Jessica Hopsick. The plot was was hatched to get funds to pay Barnes enough money to kill um, Marjorie Armstrong's father. That goddamn Marjorie. Harold, I I think her name is Marjorie Dale Armstrong. Mm -hmm. So Harold Dale, um, so that she would receive an inheritance, Mm -hmm. according to the federal indictment, released on July 2007. However, Wells was handed only $8,000, by the teller, far from $250,000, needed um, needed for the killing. Furthermore, the inheritance Armstrong reported reportedly coveted was ultimate, ultimately denied to her. Her father's estate had once been valued about $1.8 Billion? Billion? Million. million. Oh. <laughs> who the fuck is her father? Million. Um, but gifts to friends had lowered the value to less than $120,000. Oh, generous. So she was just trying to, oh yeah, for sure. But she was trying to just get whatever. Whatever. It should keep going down. I need to get it out right yeah. now. Um, yeah, so the value was less than $120,000 at his death in January 2014 at the age of 95. Mm. In the interview conducted before his death, Harold reported that he had cut off financial support for his daughter decades earlier yeah. due to her criminal behavior and failure to hold a steady job. Scam artist. Yep. Additionally, his last will and testament left 2000 to Dale Armstrong. She wasn't even getting with <laughs> what she even thought close two, two racks. I would have been like, you can have this. This is like when I read this, this is like, okay, I'm 95 years old. I don't have much time left. When I die, I mean, I kind of don't really sure you care about your kids, but it's like sure. after I'm gone, it's like I'm out. I'm out. It's on you. Take two two thousand and you, I gave you something. I, <laughs> That's two, it. That's really all I could do. To me, I would have took that. <laughs> if you ever seen like in a movie or in real life, if mm-hmm. you know, if you ever been in a place with shitty people, uh, you know, you somebody leaves a shitty tip, and they're just like, just keep, just here. Uh, this is so disrespectful. Keep, just this. keep it. Yeah. yeah, a dollar on an eighty dollar bill. Keep the, keep the, <laughs> keep the dollar. I'm good. I would have did that to the person who like mediates the thing. And he's yeah. like, I'm just. I have nothing to do with this. Exactly. I'm just here to give you the information. Well, yeah. you keep it. Yeah. You take it. I don't even want this shit. Yeah. That happened in uh episode of Always Sunny Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> so tell her she's a bitch. <laughs> Say, she's dead, so I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, so um, he left her $2,000, but the estate's obligation to pay outstanding medical bills before, in- he- before inheritance meant Yoink. she was receiving nothing. <laughs> Nada. You owe us money. <laughs> the medical bills were $5,000, so you owe us $3,000. Thank yep. you. So Wells was believed to be Wells was believed to have been killed by Armstrong and her conspirators to reduce the number of witnesses against herself and others. Mm-hmm. So on, on August 31st, 2003, a colleague of Wells, Robert Thomas Panetti, um, was found dead in his home. While he was never directly linked to the crime, yeah. investigators suspect that Panetti might have been involved in or known about the crime 
and noted that his behavior changed after Wells' death and he became paranoid. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was interviewed by the police. He was he was to be interviewed by police the day after his death. His death was ruled an, an accidental drug overdose. Mm. So on October 20th, William Bill Rothstein. It's like all these goddamn people coming in The amount here. of cocaine that they found in his system was like nobody would do this much coke this, mm. or, or, or whatever it was. Nobody would do this much of that to just get high. Mm. So, wow. Yeah, so on September 20th, uh, William Bill Rothstein, who lived in a house near the television tower, called police to inform them that the body of a man, James Roden, was hidden in a freezer in a garage at his house. Mm. After he telephoned police, Rothstein wrote a suicide note indicating that his planned suicide um, had nothing to do with Wells, though he never attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. In custody, Rothstein claimed that Armstrong and and ex-girlfriend he had dated in the late 1960s and early 1970s had murdered <laughs> had murdered her then boyfriend Roden with a 12 gauge shotgun during a dispute over money. Yeah. Rothstein claimed she subsequently paid him 2000 to help hide the body and clean the crime scene at her house. I just there's so much fluctuation in yeah. what 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 the price is on doing some shit like this. $250,000 to kill somebody. Yeah. What did you say? Two thousand dollars to clean up yeah. a crime scene? Yeah. Come on, man. What? I mean, what is she putting it on her tab? I don't know. She like, got, I, owe, I owe you. <laughs> she got it yet? Money for? Yeah, that's cool. She's putting it all on credit. Like, well, <laughs> when I get this, nah, I need my money up front. No, nah. I need my money up front. I'm, killing I'm still not doing crime scenes. No, I'm not, I'm not getting blood. I'm not <laughs> becoming an accessory to yeah. a, a murder yep. for two thousand dollars. I need at least ten. So she killed her father for try to get his inheritance. Got over a money dispute with this this individual, killed that person, mm-hmm. and then it's like, I, I need some help. I'll pay you to help me clean it up. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so he claimed to have called the police out of fear, describing Armstrong as dangerous and manipulative. The following day, she was arrested. Also, this dude that you're describing is huge. Rothstein? Yes. Okay. He's huge. So to say that he's terrified of this woman. Now, I'm not saying you can't be terrified of her because uh, she is nuts. Yeah. But uh, that dude's massive. He's huge. <laughs> so Armstrong had a history of suffering from multiple um, mental illnesses since her early teens, including um, compulsive hoarding and bipolar disorder. Oh, I love it. Before her mental health deteriorated in her 20s, so it just what, went away? Her mental health, dete- her what? What'd you her say? Her mental health deteriorated in her well, 20s. Well, she got worse. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. yeah. I'm gonna say what? Yeah. But it says she she was an exemplary example. Okay, this is probably before that. Yeah, okay. before it got okay. worse, okay, she gotcha. was actually okay. handling right. it pretty well. She was an exemplary student in high school and earned master's degrees. And she earned a master's degree from what was the Gannon College. Armstrong was known as eerie authorities due to her husband and several later partners dying under suspicious circumstances. Mm. In 1984, she was arrested for killing boyfriend Robert Thomas but was acquitted on grounds of self-defense. Rothstein had been implicated in a 1977 murder after having given a handgun to a friend who used the weapon to murder a romantic rival. He later attempted to destroy the weapon, but was granted immunity from prosecution in exchange for his testimony. That's crazy. <laughs> That's, that is crazy. To, yeah, man, you got to go kill him. He's messing around with your girl. Mm-hmm. Take that. Boom. He kills him. Okay, give the gun back to me. I'm going to destroy the evidence. Yeah. You get caught with the evidence trying to destroy it, mm-hmm. and you go, you know what, man? That dude's crazy, man. I'm going to uh, cooperate with you guys because you got to get animals like that off the street. Wow. You helped in the whole thing. 
Wow. I, that that whole thing of somebody who is involved in the crying, crime mm-hmm. being able to get immunity based on testimony yeah. is nuts to me. I mean, a full immunity? They should get it. Oh, you get a reduced sentence, I understand. But like, yes, I was there for the murder. She was singing. Yeah, I was there for the murder. Yep. But in order for me to tell you how it went down, I need I, full immunity. Yeah. Come on. That's crazy. <laughs> they need Sure, yeah. Yeah, okay, no problem. We need to we need to close this case. Yep. When and and we talked about that before, and that and I I still can't get over that. That, sh- that shit happens. Yeah. I I just every can't. day. <laughs> I can't it happens. Get over it that. happens often. <laughs> Most cases. Now I'm not saying police don't do police work. Yeah, but and I don't also don't have statistics in front of me. But I would say most cases are closed based on. Uh, testimony and not full blown like we found the gun, That's handprints crazy. at the scene. Somebody just comes forward and says, "All right, well, I don't want to get in as much trouble as everybody else, so I'll yeah. tell you what happened." Yep. So Rothstein was admitted to the Mill the Mill Creek Community Hospital on July twenty third, two thousand four. He had previously been diagnosed with non Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm. um, a diffuse showing. I'm not gonna read that. Read that again because I'm not reading that word. Oh. I don't know what the fuck that shit is. Rothstein was admitted to Mill Creek Community Hospital on July 23, 2004. He had previously been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a diffuse large, which is a diffuse large cell type. Rothstein died on July 30th, age 60. Mm. Floyd Stockton, a friend who lived at Rothstein's house at the time of the, the robbery plot, was also to be to believed to be involved. He was granted immunity for his testimony against Rothstein. He was his own buddy. His and own he friend? was dead, right? <laughs> but was never called to testify in court due to illness. Mm. In July 2005, um, Armstrong pleaded guilty but not mentally ill to the murder of Roden and was sentenced to 7 to 20 years in prison. She is believed to have killed Roden to prevent him from informing authorities about the robbery plot. Mm-hmm. In April 2005, she confided to a state trooper that she had information about Wells' case. And after meeting with FBI agents, she said she would tell them everything she knew if she was transferred from Muncie Correctional Institution to a minimum security prison in Cambridge Springs. During a interview, during a series of interviews, Armstrong admitted to providing the kitchen timers used for the bomb, stated that Rothstein masterminded, masterminded the plot, and that Wells been directly involved in the plan. You're not going to tell me this dude was like, all right. Yeah. Let's do it. But she also flip-flops on not having done anything. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So she's... So she's she got yeah. people helping them, then fucking ratting on them, and they getting sick and dying off and shit. Um, F- an FBI affidavit reported that two witnesses had confirmed that Wells had conversations about the robbery about a month before it occurred. In late 2005, Barnes, an ex-television repairman who was in, the, who was in jail on unrelated drug charges... Um, and a friend of Armstrong was tuned in by his brother-in-law after revealing details of the crime to him. Turned in. Yep. Um, in return for a reduced sentence, Barnes told investigators that Armstrong was the true mastermind of the crime. Yep. And that she wanted the money to pay Barnes to kill her father, mm-hmm. who she believed was wasting her inheritance. Mm. In July 2007, U.S. Attorney Mary Beth Buchanan announced that Armstrong and Barnes had been charged with the crime. With Armstrong as the mastermind, the deceased Rothstein and Wells were named in un- unindicted co-conspirators. Buchanan stated that Wells had been involved in the plot from the beginning and had thought that the fake bomb and the instructions would provide him with an alibi if he got caught. 
but that his co-conspirators fitted him with a real bomb that would have expl- that would have exploded even if it was removed to get rid of him as a as a witness. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't want to speak ill on the dead, but who signs up to do the, to do this? I, I guess you you know you work at a pizza place. Yeah. Let me put myself in his shoes. I work at a pizza place, I'm delivering pizza. He's probably like 50 years old, 40, 50 it's years like old. 50, 60 years old. Yeah, 50, 60 years old. Probably not making great money. No. Somebody comes to me and is like, hey, I want you to... <laughs> they they basically asked him to do the whole thing. Yeah. You're going to put a fake bomb, bomb on yourself. Yeah. You're going to rob this place. Mm-hmm. You're going to take the money out of the bank. It's going to be like $250,000. Mm-hmm. You're going to bring it to me at my house. I'm not doing anything. I'm doing nothing. Yeah. And I'm gonna give you what of two fifty? What of that two fifty? Are you like now? This is friend, no kids, hard up, working mm-hmm. at the pizza place. Yeah, fifty in his sixties. Yeah. What? How much of two fifty would it take for you to say yes to that? Not no damn two fifty. Oh, you need the whole two fifty at least. I need. I need more than she's that. Gonna just give you some of the two fifty. But, if, if, but if, if we talking just, I got to pick from two fifty. Uh huh. You won't give me all that two fifty. <laughs> You're not gonna give me. I did all the work. You're not gonna give me whatever's left. What is it like eighty thousand left? She needs one hundred and twenty. Yeah. Whatever's left. No. And he did all the work. And then you need two thousand. So she's left. <laughs> That's less than that. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. And no. he goes in the bank and only gets like eighty seven hundred dollars. So now you've done this whole thing. Yeah. Put a bomb on yourself. Expose yep. yourself to the public. Probably yep. didn't have much of a mask on. I have a fake gun. You got a fake gun. So now that's I think that makes it a felony. Like if you yeah. rob a if you rob a bank, like if you just rob a bank with a note, I think mm. that's one thing. Okay. Armed robbery is different than like a strong arm robbery. Mm. So now you have like a fake gun. People yeah. thought you were robbing them with a gun. That's a whole nother thing. And now you only got eight thousand dollars out of it. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Also, I mean, you know this story, and many people probably know this story, but it goes into why, you know, this dude did what he did. Okay, I would love to hear that. Him being at the age, yeah. Um, Oh, well, I mean, why he agreed agreed to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So when he discovered that the bomb was real, Bond said a pistol was fired in order to force Wells' compliance, and witnesses confirmed hearing a gunshot. So on July 29, 2008, U.S. District Court Judge Sean J. McClellan made an initial finding that Armstrong was mentally incompetent to stand trial due to the number of mental disorders, indicating that this ruling would be reviewed after she had received a period of treatment in mental hospital. Armstrong was then transferred to transfer for treatment to a federal mental health facility in Texas. On December 3rd, 2008, Barnes pleaded guilty to, cons- to conspiring to rob a bank and the aiding and embedding. On December 3rd, he was sentenced to 45 years in prison mm. by a federal judge in Erie for his role in this crime. On February 24, 2009, Judge McLaughlin scheduled a hearing for March 11th to determine Armstrong was now competent to stand trial. On September 9th, the judge determined that she was now indeed competent. In October 2010, Armstrong took the stand to testify on her behalf as part of her defense. She asked for a change of venue. She's just trying to pull all the cards. Yeah. <laughs> asked for a change of venue. I can't get a fair trial here. <laughs> right. All these arguing, people know I'm, I'm crazy and yep. I blow stuff up. Exactly. Arguing that the extensive media coverage of the case prevented her from receiving a fair trial in Erie. So Judge McLaughlin denied this request, noting that while the allegations were unusual, the news coverage as a whole has been about a factual and objective as it could be under the um, circumstances. Mm. 
So on November 1st, 2010, Armstrong was convicted of armed bank robbery, conspiracy to commit armed bank robbery, and of using a destructive device in a crime. On February 28, 2011, she was sentenced to life in prison to be served consecutively with the prison term previously imposed in the 2005 of Killing Rodin. Mm. In November 2010, the Court, the Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit affirmed her conviction. Um, in January 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court denied her petition um, for... They sort of declined her hearing to keep, so I think she tried to appeal it. Yeah, they, I'm sure she, she did. Tried to, they didn't. Um, she tried to do it twice, and they wasn't. They, did, they wasn't they up denied for it. it. Yeah. Um, so she died in prison of breast cancer. Oh wow! On April fourth, twenty seventeen, at the age of sixty eight. So in twenty eighteen, Jessica, Jessica Hopsick, Hoopsick, she came up in the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Admitted um, to involvement in the plot. Oh. In two thousand three, she was she was a prostitute whose regular client included Wells and Barnes. Mm. Melissa Chan of The Time wrote, um, Hoop 6 says a conspirator approached her to find a goofer who could be scared into robbing a bank. And that's what I was talking about. Wow. In, in 2018, the documentary Evil Genius, Hoop 6 identifies the conspira- conspirators as Barnes and alleges she recommended Wells, whom she described as a pushover. Wow. Yep. yep. Admitting to setting Wells up in exchange for money and drugs. I mean. Wow. <laughs> go put this man's life in, in danger for some damn drugs. <laughs> That's wild, man. Wow. So Hoopsick, ex- Hoopsick expressed regret for her role and claimed Wells had no advanced knowledge of the robbery. He was just one of her Johns. Yep. Wow. Agents, Agent John Jason Wick stated that Hoopsick was uncooperative in, a twi- in 2003. But authorities always believed that she knew more about the case. However, Wick also expressed the concern that Hoopsick might not be a credible witness. Cause she's so a drug she was she she came up in the beginning of the story and then went escaped right all this shit, and then went you know, I feel sorry, but I was I'm the one that recommended recommended him. this guy wow. knew he was easy, and like hey you know gullible probably yeah put some on him, and he probably was like. Sure. Huh? What kind of bomb? Okay. Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, highly recommend Evil Geniuses on Netflix still. Uh very good documentary series. Um hell of a crazy story. Yeah. Um and that goddamn uh Marjorie. She, she was wild. Very wild. Yeah. Um yeah, I love that story. I don't not love is weird with weird things. But it's a very it's one of those thick layered yeah complicated crazy stories with a bunch of twists yeah, and all that. Yep. Yes, very very in- intriguing and entertaining in that way. Uh rest in peace to everybody. Um, you know, man. I've never uh slept with a woman and been that gullible, man. I don't know. Uh, Some uh, a bomb? That's crazy <laughs> to get convinced to do that. Fake, real, whatever. It's like you're not going to. Not. I'm not going to you jail. You ain't putting it on me that much for me I'm to. I'm not going to jail for anybody. Even if you convince me it's a fake bomb, I'm like, well, if the police come, I'm going to go to jail for this. Yeah. Nah, that's where it's over. You could get me to maybe, you know, you know, loan you some money, any of those kind of things. Like if you want to make, if you want to trick me, like oh, like I'm a trick, like oh, take me shopping. Those are things that I can do. Yeah. As a guy who like is a lonely person yeah. and a woman is sleeping with you and you give them a little money and they take yeah. it. those are things. But then they go, kill my pimp. 
Go rob a bank. Yeah. Uh, any of them. He's a piece. You could ask him for some free pizzas. Um, yeah, hook me food. up. Give me get a Supreme. <laughs> right. Supreme Meat Lovers Deluxe. You know, hook me up. A rob rob a bank with a bomb and a fake gun. Come on, man. You got to be better than that. Be best, man. Everybody out there listening, be best. Okay. <laughs> you got to don't fall into these traps that these. These these honeypots set for you, male honeypots, female honeypots. They set these traps for you, make make you think they like you, and they got you out here simping, doing all kind of crazy shit, man. Yeah, don't fall for it. And that's 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 my message for this week. Okay, now friends, is there anything else you need to add or no? You know? Okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna keep it moving because I got a flight to catch, and so um, when when I come back, it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back, friend. I want to give a shout out to Miss Tiffany Espinoza, who uh, emailed in and recommended this murder. It's a very well-known murder um, to people within, you know, who have interest in true crime. I don't know why we haven't done this yet, either of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might have thought it was too lengthy at a point, but now nah, I don't think that anymore. So this week, my affirmative murder is the story of the Hi-Fi Stereo Store murders. Hmm. Okay. Um, I got my... Uh, my source was Re- uh, an article from Rebel Circus by Laura Kelly. And let's get to work. <clears throat> so on April 22nd, 1974, a robbery took place at a home audio store in Ogden, Utah. It would result in the torture and brutal murder of three people. Two victims survived the attack, but they su- they suffered horrific injuries. Hmm. The Hi-Fi murders, as they became known, have gone down in history as some of the most barbaric and sadistic crimes ever committed. Okay, so on, 19, on uh, April 2nd, 1974, six men in two vans raided the Hi-Fi shop in Ogden. Three of the men were never identified. The other three men were Dale Selby, William Andrews, and Keith Roberts. Carol Nesbitt, who was 52 years old, was walking through the store at the time of the robbery and looking for Courtney Nesbitt, her son. Mm-hmm. And also Michelle Ansley, who um, and Michelle Ansley and Stanley Walker, who were in their late teens, early 20s, were working at the store at the time. Mm-hmm. Stanley Walker and Michelle Ansley were taken into the basement and bound. Mm. Meanwhile, the other men were robbing the store. 16-year-old Courtney Nesbitt came to the store to thank Stanley Walker for helping him with something. So mm-hmm. I hate these stories where it's just literally it's like I'll thank him when I see him at school or yeah. I'll thank him I'll, this weekend it just was that day and that moment you were riding your bike past or whatever and was like let me go let me go what year was this this was 1974 oh damn no text yeah 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 text oh man I love to just <laughs> text somebody some superman yeah. thanks for the birthday yeah. present man what, boom done yeah. you know super detached fast don't need to go need to, nothing. No, no small talk and yep. chit chat thank you for the thing have a good day yep now, you know, I had to be all face-to-face and shit, man. And, and you know, that was unfortunate for Courtney. So, yeah, he wanted to thank him for something. Carol Nesbitt soon came to the store looking for her son, Courtney, a few minutes later. Oren Walker arrived looking for his son, Stanley, because he was very late getting home. Mm-hmm. So all of this shit just kind of snowballed. These dudes came in. There was all these kind of teenage, early 20s people in there. They got robbed, put in the basement, and their parents are like, "Where am I?" Where and they, they worked there, right? The yes, uh, Michelle Michelle Ansley and Stanley Walker both worked there. Okay, but Stanley hadn't gotten home 
you know, he was supposed to close up the store and get home. So, his, you know, his dad's like, where's my son? Yeah, and Courtney was just visiting. She was just Courtney. Like, Courtney's a boy, and Courtney was just oh, popping in to say thank you to Stanley okay, for you. helping him with mm-hmm. something. And then his mother came in looking for for um, Courtney a little bit after he got there because, you know, she's looking for oh, her so son. Oh, so it was a customer in there, right? Yeah, it was. Or she, the, or she was looking for her son. She was looking for her son. Oh, okay. 65 year old, whatever you say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She, she, um, she, she okay. there was no, um, I'm sure there was maybe somebody, I don't know if there was any customer. I think this was around the time okay. where it was like close up time. Okay, got you. So okay. anybody that was there was there to see, uh, uh, Stanley or looking for their kid. Gotcha. So it was like a snowball effect. Like I yeah. said, Courtney came to say something to Stanley. Yeah. They all got put in the basement. Mm-hmm. Courtney's mom came looking for Courtney. Mm-hmm. And then Stanley hadn't gotten off work, so his dad came looking for him. Got you. Okay. And now it's like just victims and victims funneling into the store. Damn. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so he came to thank Stanley. Orrin Walker arrived looking for his son Stanley because he was home getting late. Uh, Dale Selby and William Andrews brought all the hostages down to the basement and tied them up. Michelle Ansley, who was one of the employees, she was frightened and began to cry and plead for her life. Selby and Andrews forced the hostages to take to sit or uh, to get into a sitting position. They forced the hostages to drink a liquid that they claimed was vodka mixed with sleeping pills. Mm. It was, in fact, the industrial drain cleaner Drano. Mm. Now, if you know anything about Drano, if you ever had a fucking clogged drain, you they tell you to wash your hands if it makes contact with your skin. Yeah. Don't wash any dishes in the sink until you thoroughly washed out the... So this isn't even supposed to go in your dishes. Mm-hmm. They drank it. Forcefully. Uh, Selby and Andrews... Yes, he forced them to drink liquid. It was in... Yeah. The hostages began to convulse as their throats burned and their lips blistered. Mm. Like, like instantly. Uh, Dale and Andrews tried to duct tape, duct tape their lips... Uh, shut, but they were unable to do so because the blisters on the victims' faces were oozing pus and blood profusely. Oren Walker was able to let the drain cleaner dribble out of the side of his mouth and pretend to convulse like the other hostages did in order to survive. So that was pretty some on-the-fly shit. That was, mm-hmm. you know, smart of him. Uh, Selby grew agitated, saying that the deaths were taking too long and were too messy. He shot both Courtney and Carol Nesbitt. That's the son and mother yeah in the back of the head mm. he then shot Oren and Stanley Walker father and son Stanley's gunshot was fatal Michelle Ansley was dra- was dragged to the corner of the basement where she was repeatedly and savagely raped by Selby while mm. Andrews watched a gun was pointed at her head at the time when Selby was done raping Ansley he dragged her back to where the other hostages were and threw her on the ground face first. Mm. He then shot her in the back of the head, killing her. Wow. So this is just, this is just like anarchy, chaos. Yeah. Like this is some, the hills have eyes shit. Like it's nuts. Uh, Andrews and Selby noticed that Orrin Walker was still moving and realized that he was still alive. They attempted to strangle him by wrapping a piece of wire around his throat. When that didn't work, they inserted a ballpoint pen. This, I'm sorry, this, this is graphic. They inserted a ballpoint pen into Oren's ear and stomped on it. Wow. Mm. When Selby and Andrew stomped on the ballpoint pen in Oren's, Oren's ear, it broke his eardrum and exited through his throat. Mm. I don't even like putting Jeez. Q-tips in my ears. You know, like, oh my God. So, oh, oh. You know, you get to that point... When you're doing a Q-tip, and you're like, I'm gonna stop here. Yeah. 
It goes past that. Mm. Oh, fuck. Uh, the bodies were discovered almost three hours later when Oren's wife and other son came to the store looking for them. Oren's son heard noises coming from the basement and broke down the back door, while Mrs. Walker called the Ogden police. Stanley Walker and Ansley were already dead. Carol Nesbitt was taken by ambulance to St. Benedict's Hospital but was pronounced dead on arrival. Mm. Courtney, although not expected to live, survived with severe irreparable brain damage. He was hospitalized for 266 days before being released. Wow. Oren Walker survived with extensive burns to his mouth and chin, mm. as well as the damage to his ear caused by the pen. Oh my goodness. And his throat too. Yeah. Hours after the news of the crime broke, an anonymous Air Force employee called Ogden police and told them that Andrews had confided in him months earlier that one of these days I'm going to rob that hi-fi shop. And if anybody gets in the way, I'm going to kill them. Hours later, two teenage boys who were dumpster diving near Hill Air Air Force Base, I'm sorry, about near Hill Air Force Base, where Dale and Andrews were stationed, so they were in the Air Force, mm -hmm. contacted the police after discovering the victim's wallets, purses, and uh, recognizing their pictures from the driver's licenses. Mm -hmm. So they went back to the Air Force Base and dumped all this evidence into a dumpster near the Air Force Base, basically the, on The people it. that was in the basement? Yes, okay. all their victims. The detective who responded to the scene, believing the victims might be in the crowd, put on a show for the gathered airmen. So basically, they, they showed up to where the dumpster, they found all the stuff in the dumpster mm -hmm. and saw people, you know, Air Force people kind of gathered around. Mm -hmm. And he started, he thought that they were, you know, in, in, the, in the crowd. Mm -hmm. So he started like really putting on a spectacle. He was speaking dramatically. He waved each piece of evidence in the air with tongs as he removed it from the dumpster. Later, he noted that most of the service personnel who gathered around the dumpster stood still and watched in relative silence, with the exception of two men later identified as Selby and Andrews, mm -hmm. who paced around the crowd speaking loudly and making frantic gestures with their hands. Which is like, yeah, that's super obvious, but yeah. what? Play, play, play it cool. I mean, I'm glad they didn't play it cool, but like, why are you like, yo, 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 they're going in the dumpster, yo, mm -hmm. hey, oh, wait, waving your hand, like you're like trying to find each other at a concert. Yo, yo, they're going in the dumpster. <clears throat> Everybody else is just standing there like normal yeah. people. I thought, I thought you were saying they was going like, what? Oh, I mean, that is so sad. And everybody's like, the fuck is oh, with them? Man, uh, saying, oh, man. Oh, not Courtney. Whoa, what? How do you yeah. know his name? What? Get him. Arrest him. Uh, no, I think it was a little more oh, subtle. okay. I think it was a little more subtle than that. But in a crowd of people who are just standing there and you're the ones moving around the crowd and yeah. waving your... You look pretty suspect. Uh... Uh, the detectives later received an award. The detective later received an award from the Utah branch of the Justice Department for his use of the proactive techniques. Mm. So, because he kind of knew to do this mm -hmm. and kind of flushed them out, they were like, "Good job, man! That was some good detective work that yeah. you did there." Uh, based on the two men's reactions to the evidence being removed from the trash bin and the officers' implication of Andrew Selby and Roberts were Andrew Selby and Roberts were arrested. A search warrant was then issued for their barracks. Police found uh, flyers for the hi-fi shop and a rental contract for a unit at a public storage facility. Following the issuance of another search warrant, stereo equipment taken from the hi-fi shop, later identified via serial numbers, 
was recovered from the storage unit. So they just, oh, this was just not done yeah. smart at all. First of all, you have a storage unit with evidence from the place where you committed rape and murder yeah. and robbery. Mm-hmm. You put them in a storage unit and you have the storage unit contract in your fucking room. <laughs> why wouldn't you use your mother's na- I don't I'm not giving out advice. But I'm saying, like, why is that in your name? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, basically they got search warrants to the um storage unit, open mm-hmm. the storage unit, and up was a bunch of hi-fi stereo shop equipment in there that I guess they were going to sell on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also recovered from the storage unit a half-empty bottle of Drano. So they took Why that with them. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like some of the stuff is like, well, there might be fingerprints on this. But it's like, why do you have the fucking contract to the exact uh storage unit place in your room? Like, it's like some of the stuff is... But why keep it, though, is what I'm saying. I have there's two reasons I have to think. One, it's evidence with your fingerprints on it. Two, it was a trophy. And I guess the third reason is he maybe he needed some Drano. But that's the one that's at the bottom of the list. Yeah. Cause just go buy some Drano from the yeah. store. That's the third one, but like I don't think that I hope that's not the one. He could have did that I mean, is the could, most he could have used the Drano that he had, burnt the the, the container, melted it, and huh? then it's, not, it's gone now. Yeah. Uh, so you gonna keep it? You gonna keep it next to the contract? No, the, the Drano was in the storage unit. Oh, so that was like he took. They took all the stuff from the hi-fi shop, and then as they were leaving, they were like, "Oh, let me get this Drano too. Straight. This can make." What do you want me to do with this? No, just put, put it in there. Throw it in the storage unit with the stuff. What? <laughs> so that just kind of put it over. It's like they were all burned up. Their mouths were burned with Drano. There's Drano in here. Mm. It's your storage unit. There's hi-fi. It was all. There was no much. That wasn't much more needed. But yeah. the the Drano was like the cherry on top. Yeah. Uh, the joint trial of uh, of Andrews and uh, Selby and Roberts for first degree murder and robbery began on October fifteenth, nineteen seventy four, in Farmington, uh, in in Farmington in neighboring Davis County, Utah. Uh, on November sixteenth, nineteen seventy four, uh, Selby and Andrews were convicted of all charges. Roberts was convicted only of robbery. Four days later, uh, Selby and Andrews were sentenced to death. Mm. Roberts was sentenced to imprisonment and was paroled in 1987. Andrews had insisted that he did not deserve to die because he was not the person who shot the victims. But prosecutors said that the drain cleaner would have killed the victims if not for the shots that Andrews was and that Andrews was guilty as the person was as guilty as the person who pulled the trigger. Yeah. So basically they were saying, yes, Sel- uh, Dale Selby raped and murdered and shot these people, mm-hmm. but you poured Drano down their throat and if he wouldn't have shot them, they would have died eventually anyway. Yeah. So well, you're just as culpable as... Was as, that Was that supposed to be just torture or was that or they was trying to kill They were trying the to kill them that way. With the Drano? But it took too long. It took too long. According okay. to them. Which is like, if you had a gun, why wouldn't you just shoot them in the first place? That's so barbaric and horrible to think to kill people by pouring Drano down their throat. Yeah. So maybe they thought it was just like poison, like it would just poison them and they die immediately like yeah. some kind of uh 19th like some kind of 17th century uh Shakespeare play, but instead their mouths were burning and their throats were burning and they were just kind of gurgling and dying slowly and then they were like this is taking too long, let's yeah. just end it. And I can't remember, they brought the Drano with them or they found it in They found the Drano. Oh, okay. Andrews okay. found the Drano in the bathroom. He okay, like went gotcha. to the bathroom. Okay. He, it was like a it was like a he was like, he got amused. Mm-hmm. He was in the bathroom. He was like, oh, whoa, Drano. I'll use this. Mm-hmm. It was that much thought put into it. Um, so, yeah, supporters of Andrews had contested 
he was the victim of racism uh, because Mr. Selby and his Mr. Because Mr. Selby and himself, who were both black, were convicted by an all white jury. They cited a note passed to a juror that read, hang the niggers. The judge denied the mistrial. Now, let me say this. Wait, what? What happened? So they were convicted by an all-white jury. They were black? Yeah. Oh. They, they, they found... Shit, they I were didn't know that. They were convicted by an all-white jury. They, there was a note within the jury room that said, hang the niggers on mm. it. And this was all dismissed. This was all dismissed from being able to be used in trial. Yeah. Now, here's what I'll say. I'm shocked they were black. I thought they were white. No, they were black. No, and they then they put a pin in somebody's ear and stomped on it. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're All different. Right, well. They're different. They're different. They're different. Hmm. Well, here's what I'll say. Um, sometimes two things can be true. A lot of times, two things can be true. These people are terrible, fucked up, evil people who killed those people, mm-hmm. and they got white people really mad because it was like all of the victims were white. Yeah. So this was like a this was a hate crime in a sense. Mm-hmm. It was it was a hate crime. Those people can say racist things and you guys still be guilty of killing people. That it can be 100% true. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make what they did right and saying right and wanting to, a black person to be killed and executed. All of those things can be like, well, I don't want you to have those kind of feelings about it. We kind of want you to just be like uh unbiased yeah. and come in and make a vote. But if you are white and you're like, well, these black people killed all these this old white lady and her son Put and them these away. People, Kill those niggers. Yeah. That can be wrong yeah. for you to feel that way and you made the right decision to vote guilty because they're guilty. Yeah. You know, once so... You, once you play that card, then it doesn't... They got to throw that out, right? Yeah, you yeah. For sure. Well, you're not... Yeah. If you... If they would have set it out... Now, yes, he has a... They have a point that... That is... That is a tainted jury pool. Right. If they're racist and want these... Hang the niggers and all this kind of... That's super fucked up. Yeah. But they are guilty. Yeah. So they are guilty, I, but you, you can't use that... Cause it makes it seem like you you're using that as your as what they call as your it, reason as to, your reason to to, to, to vote put guilty. Them in jail. Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. Okay, so you're saying that they should have, he should have gotten a mistrial. Um, that yeah. they should have gotten a mistrial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because if they would have went, if they would have just went, he's guilty. guilty. That. But if they're go, in the room he's talking guilty, about and hang and hang the, the niggers is like. You should have left that part out. You're un- now you're it's not like being, you're, you're, you're not thinking. Being, you're exactly. not being unbiased. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting take. I understand your take, mm-hmm. but it's also 1970s America. Yeah. And they're like, who gives a fuck if they're racist? You guys killed these people. There was no accounting to their rights. And for me as a person who kind of, you know, I'm kind of anti-death penalty and all these things, even, you know... You have to if you're anti death penalty, you have to be anti death penalty, period. Mm-hmm. So the idea of me being a person who's into criminal justice reform, that has to apply to the criminals as well. Because they have to get a fair trial. Mm-hmm. So you kind of put me on the spot here, because I was very much like, Who gives a fuck if they're racist? That that's fucked up that they're racist. Yeah. But you guys killed these people and you deserve to go to jail. Yeah. But yeah, wow, you really yeah, that's a real that's a that's a morality play. That was yeah, I don't know cuz it's yes, they are guilty, but that's not a fair trial if everybody in the room is like, yeah, fuck these black people. There's yeah. dogs and all all black people are like this and so if they're guilty. I don't give a shit with we don't need to look at much evidence. Right. Th- they're guilty. Th- hang them. Hmm. Cuz it seems like their reasoning was like racially driven and you Yes, yes, yes. Use that in. Hmm. Wow. I don't really have... I, I'm kind of stumped on that. 
You got me on that. I don't, okay. I, I don't agree that it should have been a mistrial. Maybe they should have re. They should have gotten a new jury, jury pool. Yeah. After that, yeah, which would have which would have prolonged the which would have prolonged the trial. Yeah. But just a straight up not mistrial. Not a mistrial. Yeah. Not a mistrial. No, but a, a, a completely new yeah. jury. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that'd yeah. that'd make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Not them getting off. Um, having a complete mistrial. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. A new jury. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. So after exhausting his appeals, Selby was executed by lethal injection on August 28, 1987, at the age of 34 years old. Mm. At the time of his death, uh, Selby bequeathed all of his money to Andrews. Guess how mm. much money it was? Um, $30,000. Okay. <laughs> so he's like, this is my homie. We went through this together. We went through this murder wow. trial together. I want to give him everything, that, all of my worldly possessions. So go ahead and take that um thirty dollars. Okay, well there's a transfer fee of a dollar. Oh, okay. Um Just well, before he was executed. Like, yeah, this was the last thing okay. he ever did on this earth. Okay. Was go give my my homie William Andrews this this, this twenty nine. Can can't take it with you, so hey. You can take that with you. You can just keep that little that little that's just a little fold. Somebody need it? What's that? Like two tens and, and nine ones? Somebody need However it. However you want to break it up, it's not that much money. If it was all if it was all ones it's not that thick of a knot. You can go ahead bury me with that. Let me get some. No, that's that's my toll. That, that that's my toll money. Because after what he did, he's going to hell. So you got to pay the toll. You know, <laughs> go ahead. Here's here's five dollars for the hell toll. And let if me it, go ahead. It was better for him. Make him feel peaceful. I'll go guess, doing yeah. something good. Whatever you got. Even do. though you killed. Yeah. People, but so William Andrews got the twenty nine. Probably you know put, got some commissary because he's on death row too. Mm. And you know spent that real quick. I'm sure that yeah, goes quick in prison. And whatnot. Yeah, I'm sure that goes real quick in prison though. Um. Do you know how much a phone call costs in prison? Three dollars. Oh my god! No, like a minute. Oh, something crazy. It's so much money. They get it's so much money. It's Man. really terrible. Make those this pri- quick. Those private prisons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those private prisons are robbing those people. Mm. Um, running up people's phone bill. Oh man. Hey man, you can't call here. You gotta call here on Mondays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could call me collect. <laughs> you know. Uh, so the local news reported that Dale Selby said uh, to no one in particular moments before his execution. I'll be glad when this is over. Mm. When asked if he had any final words, he responded, thank you. I'm just going to say my prayers. Andrews was executed by lethal injection on July 30th, 1992, at the age of 37, after 18 years on death row. And that was the story of the Hi-Fi Stereo Store murders. Why takes so damn long? To execute people? Yeah. Get know. me the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> if I'm gonna die anyway, just do it now. I don't wanna sit here and wait. Oh, you I don't know. You say that until you're there. And it's like But do you I don't have know, a reckon, reckon, reckoning with the concept of death in jail, I can't put myself in that position. Me either, know, but you know, you're gonna, it's like I don't I don't I don't know if I'm afraid of death. I don't know, I know I don't I know I don't wanna die. I but am. if I was Yeah, oh well yes, obviously. <laughs> we're all afraid of death in yeah. some kind of way. But it's something we all have to do, right? Yeah. But I don't know if now I'm in prison, it's like, well, just kill me tomorrow. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't, I feel like that takes a lot of internal searching to go, to, to, to become okay with that concept of, well, they're, they've set my date to die. I'm on death row. Mm-hmm. So fuck it. I just want to die tomorrow. If Maybe you, you go in, like, I want to have one last this. I want to talk to my mom one well, more time. Well, I want to do, do all that. But if you're in prison for killing that you killed people. Yeah. And you, you're on death row. Uh-huh. You're going to die anyway. Yeah. P- 
people you know, always got people after you about what this particular thing that happened, this mm-hmm. event that happened that you've done. I mean, that shit probably weigh on you. Like, man, just yeah, that dude was like, I just want this shit to be over already. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, understandable. But he had also been on death row for eighteen years. So That's I'm true. thinking, I'm, I'm like, maybe you don't need eighteen years, but maybe give me like a year. Like, That's what I mean. But they, most years? most people are on death row for a long time. So you're lucky if you. You know, ten years is is kind of short. I feel like maybe maybe even six six to five, six to ten years is that's pretty relatively quick. If it was up to me, I'd be like, kill me my next birthday. Yeah, you know, days might go by as fast as shit. I want to. I would want to die in that situation. I'd probably want to die on my birthday. I feel like there's something kind of complete circles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I like that too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I'm. Never, I'm not, I don't. I don't plan on ever being in that circumstance of yeah, being man. on death row. So I don't know if I'd be. All of a sudden, go from well. I mean, because I've already said to you, like, I think I want to go at like eighty tops. I don't want to be just in some room in a wheelchair, and you know, people got to come and change me and all. I want to hit century mark, man. <sighs> nah, man, it's not many fly hundred year olds. You know what I mean? I want to go out fly. Like I want to go out. I I could walk. I could still drive my fly little car. You know, take the family to Disney World and just kind of watch my watch my offspring and my grandkids and all them ride the rides. I'm like, man, look at what I built. I got a little compound where it's like my main house. I got guest <laughs> houses where all my little family can come and stay. I want to kind of look upon that and just kind of go out in the middle of the night. I don't want to go out in some bed like shitting on myself and crying. I don't want to go out like that. I'm trying to and that's what a hundred is to me in my mind, you know, because <laughs> I haven't seen many examples of it not being that. I'm trying to century mark. I'm trying to be jogging. At a hundred, yeah. As long as I, I doubt can. it, people. You see people in the uh, the old white. Show people. me a hundred year old person that jogs. I got you, please. please. Okay, I will. I, I pencil will. me, pin me in, please. If you if you have that readily available at okay. any point, I do. Send me that a hundred year old person jogging, trying to be in good shape, with a smile like a hundred oh, years old, quick five k in. Yeah, a hundred years old. I want to be in my sleep on my birthday. Gone. See, it's like That's partially I understand. I get what you're saying. I, yeah. I like that, but a hundred? Oh, no. I'm trying. To, I want to hit history, my man. I think that's the complete. And all your friends are I dead because I'm dead. I've been dead for twenty years. Yeah. Well, because if it's, I'm if a, it's I'm not ready, these, I'm gonna bang out these twenty more years while you gone. I'm, just, I'm gonna ride it out, man. A hundred. I think a hundred is the. That's when you can go. Yeah, you got a bunch of grown ass your grandkids, like that's fifty. It. Hey, grandpa, how you doing? Well, my friend died uh, today, and. Um, Hundred years old, man. Oh, that's what. That's my eyes hurt. You know, you're just like <laughs> weird <fine>. pains. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just want to go out fly. Eighty <laughs> years old, like 79th birthday, jump out of plane. You know that last you because I'm like coming up on it. Maybe I maybe I make it. Maybe eighty doesn't take me out, but I want to somewhere around there. Eighty to eighty-five. I want to call it. Be, mm-hmm. Every be a rap. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna Kevorkian in myself. Like, I'm not gonna like kill myself. Yeah, but I'd be cool with. Going out at that point because yeah. I think I think I think my genetics are good enough to where I'd be a spry eighty to eighty five year old. Me too. Not super active. No, I'm not saying like I'm can fight, but mm-hmm. I'm like I'm still maybe driving a little bit. You know, on the weekends, going out with the fam, getting mm-hmm. some dinner, those kind of things. Yeah. I don't want to be just somebody's burden, and I think that's what a hundred is. Mm. So that's that's, that's my fine. that's my thoughts I've on done, age. I've and done death my duty. And, I've taken care of y'all. Everybody take care of me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Let's you can play that good. card. Yeah. My grandma's like 95. But yeah, she's, but she's other still. Gr- that's not, not oh, that okay, one. okay, okay. All right. Her, she's like 90. Really? Yes. See? All right. See? She's spry and moving. <laughs> that's, that's, you're saying 100. 
90, I'm like, if I can still get out and go to the parade and, you know, can uh, get around, and all that, that's cool. Still can put some fly shit on. Yeah. But just being in a, you know, some some people don't wear 90 to 100 as well as others. Yeah. That's and that's true. the ri- that's a risk, though. Yeah. Your grandmother is more of an anomaly than like, <laughs> con- than that's just what 90 is. Yeah. Most 90 year olds are like just in a room somewhere watching yeah, TV, you know, don't really know anything, all that kind of. I don't want to. I don't want to. Now, dementia can hit you at any point. Yeah. But I don't want to be like 90 and my kids, I don't know them. And I, and I don't, maybe I'm wrong. You can get dementia at 80 and I'm sure probably earlier than that. But in my mind, I'm like 90 to 100, the odds go shooting through the roof that you're going to like not know who your kids are and all that kind of stuff. I just don't want, I don't want that to be me. Yeah. I don't want to get dementia either. Yeah. You know, that. but you maybe you'll be the 100 year old. I mean, you're skinny. You've been skinny the whole life. Just yeah, skinny. I hope just. So. You know what I mean? So you already kind of have the body of an elderly man. Yeah. You know, so, so, so maybe you'll just ride that out, you know. And, and, I hope so. And, you know, so I get it, man. But, yeah, so that's that's just my take on death and <laughs> death and aging and all this kind of stuff. But that's coming from a 27-year-old. So what am I? I sound like fucking uh, like an idiot, you know. I, hopefully we, we got some time left, barring any kind of you know unnatural circumstances. Yeah. We got a lot of time left. Sierra will get to talking about... I think when I turn like 80, I want to dye my hair pink just to get a little, just be funky and be fun. I'm like, I don't want to talk yeah. about being old. Yeah. That, it makes me so uncomfortable. I don't yeah, want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I want to think about now. I don't want to think about the twilight of my be life. Here before now. you got them know. Yeah. No, man, let's live now. Let's talk about, you want to get, get pink hair now. Yeah. You know, Do shit. It now. Don't yeah. wait till you're 80. Shit. No. Oh, oh God. Anyway. Um, yeah, let's get into these good vibes. And try to turn things around before we before we get into the good vibes. I want to say one last time, you know, rest in peace to John Witherspoon. Prayers to everybody in California, um, all those things, and just you know, let's just be together, man. Let's be let's be let's be one. Let's be the human race, and let's just take care of each other. Now, with that being said, let's get into the good vibes. Yes, that's right, folks. Welcome to another Good Vibes segment. We're here to try to send you off on a, on a high note with some positivity and some good energy in your life. Fran, would you like to bless these people with these Good Vibes first, or you want me to go? I'll go first. Okay, cool. Um, So when this retail worker discovered 7000 in cash tucked away in the pocket of an old jacket, mm. she knew she had to do the right thing. Take it to the bank. Yeah, man. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's at Plato's Closet? That's shit. That's up for grabs. Now she worked there. She worked there. So she was like taking in some money from somebody or or the inventory. The, yeah. The okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Checking the pockets and whatnot. Okay. I'm saying Man, we I'm have... in Plato's closet and I'm like just going through the coat rack. Oh yeah, I'm keeping that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we came across a lot of stories like this with like, what yeah. would you do with that? Yeah. Listen, I'm gonna say this, and I'm fully prepared to take whatever heat I take. If I was the person working at Plato's closet. And you came in with all your bags and yeah. everything like that, and I'm gonna turn these in. And we finished your transaction uh-huh. and whatever, and I give you your, you know, they give you some bullshit like, like a GameStop. Where it's yeah. like, okay, five coats, 10, 10 pairs of jeans, da 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 da. Here's eighty five dollars, mm-hmm. you know. So I give you your money or whatever for your Plato's closet, closet clothes, and you leave, and then I'm, you know, going to put them in the inventory, mm-hmm. and I find seven racks. Yeah, that's mine. You think I'm supposed to get and run after you? Nah, nah, I'm sorry. Nah. How'd you get this? It was cash. Yeah. How'd you get $7,000 cash, drug dealer? 
That's what I say to myself. And then that would justify me keeping the money. Yep. They're going to say it anyway, so just keep it. <laughs> so since Jennifer Combs um, began working at Plato's Closet resale store in Indiana two years ago, she says that she found plenty of things tucked away in the pockets of, of people's old clothing. Mm-hmm. But it was, but that was certainly the most valuable thing she ever discovered. I'm sure. I mean, sometimes you find gum or a picture or a grocery list. That's what she told the um, WLS TV news. You don't find seven thousand dollars in a pocket. Mm. Immediately after finding the the wad of twenties and hundreds, twenty and hundred dollar bills, um, Combs informed mm. her manager of the discovery so that so they could both contact the man who had sold them the clothing. Can you can you imagine finding seven thousand dollars cash in a yeah. jacket or whatever? That's mine. Oh, twenties and hundreds. That's mine. Yeah, no, man, I gotta keep that. Yep. It would be so easy for me to justify this person being involved in some illegalities. <laughs> Who carries seven thousand dollars cash just in their pocket? Yeah, a says, dr- a drug trapper. It said the man reportedly forgotten that he had hidden the emergency cash in that jacket pocket. Ain't that much of an emergency? No, to carry it around in your pocket and to to put in some clothes that you going to give away. <sighs> nah, bro, man. I'm not forgetting no way I put seven thousand dollars at. Um, so she was overwhelming, overwhelmingly grateful. Grateful of its return, for its return. I'm bad. Though there was apparently no reward for Kim's good deed. God damn! Are you serious? Yep. You can't give me five hundred. Can't give me nothing. I can't get five hundred. Yep. Wow. She, she and her manager agree that doing the right thing is rewarding, um, intrinsically. Oh bullshit! It, it is. Feel, it makes you feel good inside to do the right thing, and there's really nothing special as a feeling. Special, nothing as special as a good feeling inside. Nah, a nice steak dinner paid for by the, your good deeds nah. is also a good feeling. I found, no I money? Found, I found your $7,000, you know. Thank you. Thank you. I can't get, huh? What? I know it's weird to ask, but like I would definitely like, would have hang on, hung on it like, so here's your $7,000. Thank you very much. You have a good day. Okay, Um. yeah, it was... Really lucky I found it too, because yeah. like if somebody else would have found it, who knows what? Yeah, well, thank. I guess I guess I'm lucky that you did find it. Well, you have a nice day. Yeah, because like you know, it's a lot of seedy people. Okay, I'd have been off <laughs> under my breath. He's a god. He he heard every word in the book. That is crazy, man. C- c- congratulations to that person having such a kind heart. I guess that end of that story reminds me. You remember that commercial from like early 2000s where the kid. They were playing basketball, uh, and he he tipped the ball, oh. but the ball went out of this. The this, worst this commercial commer- of all time. This commercial was traumatic to a lot of kids, but yes. So he tipped the ball, but the referee called the ball. They got the ball. He goes into the huddle, and the coach is like, "Okay, so we're gonna da 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 da. We're gonna give the pick. coach, coach." I used to I used to mute that commercial. I used to mute it all the time. Because it's infuriating. It. It's like who would nobody would do this. Nobody would ever do this. But this person did the you know the Plato's Closet equivalent of it. Um, he goes, coach, I hit it. And everybody's like, what? Shut up. Okay, well, shut up about it. Nah, coach. Nah, coach. I hit it. <laughs> All right, well, just play defense. I would have been like, the coach, any coach ever would have been like, bench, you're benched and <laughs> shut up. You hit it. Go sit down. He'd have caught all kinds of fades after that game. Oh, my God, man. In that locker room, especially if they lost, because they didn't show up if they lost. But I'm assuming they lost. Yeah. They didn't look like the best defensive team. So they probably lost, and it's all because he wanted to be Mr. Goody Two-Shoes and be honest about mm-hmm. some shit. He probably, he probably got flagged for that in real life. The, for the commercial. <laughs> That's his only credit on his IMDb. And it's like, man, Tony, you still a bitch for that dumbass commercial you did. I hit it. Coach, I hit it. 
Get out of here, man. Mm-hmm. Get out of my house. Yeah, no, that's that commercial's crazy. But shout out to that person yeah. for being a... Look, man, with all jokes aside, that takes a very kind and, and concerned and, and, and generous person and to I give that money back. Yeah. I'm, I'm not at I'm all. That. At all. In any circumstance. There's not many circumstances in that scenario where that person's getting the money back. Yeah. I once was at a music festival and somebody dropped a bag of money and because we were looking at the festival mm-hmm. wall and somebody dropped the bag of money, my foot went on that bag so fast and like slid. Me looking, I didn't look down. Yeah. My eyes, st- okay, 21 Pilots is playing at one. Uh, slid it right there. Uh, you know, whatever. Bent down to tie uh, my shoe. Yeah. That that my- I'm from Baltimore, man. I don't, look, I don't know what type of shit y'all do in Indiana, mm. but that's the come up. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes yeah. you feel like it's it, the the universe has ways of balancing itself. Like I feel like you know, be, beyond measure of anything kind of crazy. If I lose my card at a, at a bar, mm. I expect it to be a sixty dollar charge on the card. Yeah. Before I cancel, like oh they, they bought a round or whatever, yeah. charge it to the game. I made a mistake. I got caught slipping. Yeah. That's how it goes. The world is a cold place. Yeah. And that's how I look at it. I'm yeah. like, if I lost seven grand, I'm not expecting to get it back. Mm-hmm. The, the moment I realize it, I'm just gonna have to cry for the next month. Yeah. Because I'm not expecting that money to come back. So that person got a really good surprise. And that makes me even matter that they didn't give him $500. Yeah. Just at the baby shower. Because you shouldn't expect it to have that money back. Yeah, just at the baby shower, my dad was at my house and we was in the basement and he was he was talking. <laughs> and he was talking about, yeah, I'm about to go up. Is this a quarter? And like, <laughs> picked it up in his pocket. In oh, his boy. house. In your house. In my house. <laughs> well, yeah, by, by definition, it's probably my quarter. Well, it's I found it, so it's not. Yeah, no, that's just the rules we live yeah, by, man. man. I'm sorry. I, hey, it is what it is. You know, you get caught. I can't be mad, man. Can't hey, hey, charge it to the game. That's how I look <laughs> at it, man. You lost seven grand taking some clothes to Plato's closet? Yeah. Come on, man. That's you, stupid. Yeah, you deserve that's to dumb. that money. Are you dumb? That's so dumb. But praisings and blessings and positive energy to that person who was kind enough to deliver that money to that person yep. with no return given to them at all. Other than, you know, the intrinsic feeling of you know could have bought her lunch you could have done so many things man let's move on man because that's good vibes and i'm proud of that person and fuck that guy who didn't give her any i I still feel that it's good vibes that person is a very kind person but fuck that person who was given back seven grand and couldn't give her 250 yeah you couldn't give her 200s and a 20 come on man you couldn't peel those off Nah, come on man you did you didn't deserve to get that money back no that person was so kind, but you didn't deserve to get that money back. Yeah. If you don't go, well, shit, man, you gotta, I gotta give you some money. This is amazing. You found seven thousand dollars and you gave it back. Here, nope, nothing, none of, nothing of that sort. All right, here's my good vibe story. This story was actually posted by Miss Hannah Walker. We have some correspondence on Twitter. Some, she's in the Facebook group. Very cool person. She's involved in that cosplay stuff. And she's from Baltimore. Mm. So shout out to her. Yep. Uh, so they, she put up the story about this nurse who adopted a man with autism so that he could have a heart transplant. Mm. Okay. So when Jonathan Pinkert, who is a 27-year-old man with autism, was taken off the heart transplant list, all hope for his survival was gone. Mm. Then... Pinkert found Lori Wood. Wood, who is an ICU nurse at Piedmont Newman, Piedmont Newman Hospital in Georgia, was assigned to Pinkert in December of 2018. So she was, while he was, you know, going through whatever heart things he went through in the hospital, mm-hmm. she was kind of like his bedside nurse. Right. Uh, she said, Jonathan was very sick, 
but he wasn't eligible for a transplant because he didn't have a support system. Mm. Uh, Wood told Today Health. One of the requirements is that you have someone to care for you afterwards, which is understandable. I mean, hearts are pretty expensive. And mm-hmm. if you're just going to go out and be homeless or something like that, it's kind of like, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like a waste of a heart because you yeah. have to be in very like particular conditions mm-hmm. in the beginning of the, you know, the heart being your body. Mm-hmm. So if he didn't have anybody to help him, it's like, shit, can't give you a heart, man. I'm sorry. Uh, because there are so many people on the waiting list for donated organs before receiving a transplant uh, patients are evaluated to make sure they are responsible enough to protect their health, including taking anti-rejection medications if they receive one. And this is why in that show, Shameless, mm-hmm. that was one of the dumbest storylines I've ever seen was they gave Frank like a liver. Yeah. He was a liver disease or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he got a new liver. Nobody in the world deserves a new liver less than Frank Gallagher. Yeah. If you're an alcoholic. Uh, and, and just like, he like, will just wake up with like a, a fucking... Drug needle in his ankle because yeah. he slept in the trash. Yeah, dude, he's nuts. He tricked those people into giving him a new liver. And he, I, I haven't watched the show much beyond that point, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he still drinks. Oh, yeah. And he's still on the show. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And my man had to get fucking adopted at 27 years old to get a new heart. Uh, but it's a show. <laughs> but still, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> shameless. Uh, uh, yeah, so they had to go through. Yeah, basically, got to go all, go through all these trials and doing different drugs before you even get the heart. You know, mm. you have to really or whatever organ you have to prove that you can take care of it before they give oh, it to you. Oh, got you. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. I understand it for sure uh, because it could go to somebody else who can take care of yeah. it. And you know, so uh, it, it, here's another quote. It says, uh, "They're going to look at things like do you show up for appointments and follow doctor's orders?" Said. Uh, Ann Pashk, a spokesperson for the United Network uh, for Organ Sharing, a group that decides which patient which patients receive life saving organ transplants in the United States. If you get a transplant and don't take care of your. Ooh, oh, I'm sorry. And don't take your immunosuppressive drugs, you're going to lose it. Uh, Pinkert, who had been in and out of the hospital since August, was often discharged to men's shelters because he had nowhere else to go. So after knowing Pinkert for two days, the single mom asked Pinkert if she could become his legal guardian. She said, I had to help him. It was a no brainer. He would have died without the transplant. Though Wood did though though Wood didn't know a thing about Pinkert when he moved in, the two bonded quickly over football and family feud. Jonathan has his chair and I have my chair, Wood said. We like game shows and high five back and forth if we get the answers right. He is very loving. Pinker calls Wood mama. Mm-hmm. She monitors his medications. He takes 34 pills a day. Damn. And she shuttles him to a doctor's appointments. Wood is also helping Pinker to improve his credit score. Oh, shout out today. Oh, my God. Because that credit score, man, listen. To anybody who doesn't know, and again, we're like 27. I feel like most of a lot of people listening to us are older than us. Mm-hmm. But for people who don't know, your credit score is so much more important than how much money you make a year or whatever that whatever any money you have in your fucking pocket or anything yeah. like that. With a good credit score, you can walk in and get whatever you want, no matter how much money you have in the bank or whatever. You could go in and get a fucking get a sign a lease for a car, get a house, whatever. There's things that credit can do that money just could never. Money could never do what credit does in this society. So make sure you, 
monitor your credit and take care of your credit. You got the money to just buy it outright. Yeah, but nobody has two hundred. Do you have two hundred fifty thousand dollars? No, of course not. Okay, so if you have good credit and you only have five thousand dollars, oh yeah, you have a better chance of getting into a house that has a little, you know, higher of a price tag yeah. on it than if you just had ten. If you had twenty thousand dollars and your credit shit, it's like mm-hmm. okay, well, you have twenty thousand dollars, you can pay the, you know, the down payment or whatever, but you don't. We don't trust you, so we're not going to give you a loan. Yeah. Pay off your debt. Pay off your debt. You get a credit. It's those little ones that get you to the Sears cards, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Pay them on time. Get them off your off your debt and yeah. move on with your life. Target was kicking my ass one time. <laughs> Man, I was my <laughs> dumb ass. So Les Green, who's a friend of the pod, uh, he used to work at Buckle, uh-huh. which was like douchebag a douchebag store, like yeah. uh, like um the Armani like the Armani Exchange or one of those stores that sells like shirts with fucking affliction shirts uh-huh. and big belt buckles and shit like that. He was getting a bonus. For signing people up for store credit cards, mm-hmm. I remember. I was this. like eighteen yep, or whatever, maybe this. younger than that. I, I was like, yeah, I'll look out for you. I'll get the I'll get the card. I ended up spending money, yeah, on the card, mm-hmm. probably like two hundred dollars. Forgot about it. Yep. I got a bill years later, like maybe two years later, for eight hundred and fifty dollars, and it was from a, a like a, a a collections agency. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the interest had accrued, and. They and once it goes to a collections, that's a hit on your credit. Yeah. So I had to pay the collections people back, all this type of shit for a two hundred dollar fucking purchase. Yeah. That I just didn't I forgot about. So just don't let that shit sneak up on you. Yep. Anyway, back to Pinkert. Uh he said she treats me like one of her sons, he told Today Health. I am truly thankful for that. Pinkert, who had his heart transplant in August, hopes to return hope, hope to return to work as an office clerk in December. Hmm. Wood will miss pulling into the driveway and seeing Pinkert waving on the front porch. Um, because once he got on his feet, you know, once he gets on his feet, he's going to be going to work. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's been a joy having Jonathan here with us. Wood said, I knew this was going. I knew this is what I was supposed to do. So um, big time shout out to this young man named uh, named Jonathan Pinkert and this lovely woman. Uh, Lori Wood who saw a person in need yeah she's amazing and gave him a home for you know a brief period of time because he's not a child he's an adult man yeah but he just needed an address to say like this is where I'm going to be going to um, while I'm you know in the in while I'm going through recovery from my transplant and while I'm going and doing these jumping through these hoops for you to approve my transplant yeah. and she came through for him yeah and- that's that's a perfect example of Doing something good and not getting a return, but feeling good that you. Oh, that for you sure. Just, but it's not a lot return easy. to seven thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. It's a lot easier when you're like, you can sleep on my couch. Then I found seven thousand dollars, and I'm gonna go return it to a person. Yeah. And I don't know what what they're doing with the seven thousand yeah. um, dollars. But knowing you save somebody's life, that's a different kind of yes a feeling, right? There. Just being like, well, I gave him seven thousand dollars back, so I feel good about that. I don't feel no. That's like whatever. It's the right thing to do, but you don't get that. That feeling that that girl in your st- or whoever boy or girl was talking about in your story, I would never get that. F- I would just go, I did the right thing. But I would even say it like with my lip out, like mm, I mean, I guess I did the right thing. You yeah, get it, it was their money, I guess. This 
you feel it in your soul. Like this was, I, I, I have a friend for life. Mm-hmm. We bonded in this time. We watched these shows together. Yeah. Maybe he'll still come over for dinner There's on the weekends. Right there. This dude was like, thanks for my $7,000. Yeah. I'm leaving now. Yeah. Have a nice day. I'll never see you again. Then you go home and then find out your transmission go up. <sighs> and it's like, God damn it. Man. Or you go home and you turn the news on <laughs> and it's him. And he's like, a house was busted with $7,000 and 10 pounds of weed. And you're like, yeah. fuck. He was a criminal and I gave him his money back. I should have yep. kept it. That's a plot twist right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so those were the good vibes this week. Uh, I enjoy this new format. Yeah. I'm, I'm yep. continuing to enjoy this. Um, again, before we leave, uh, I want to give a quick bang, bang, bang. And, um, you know, and a yit to D mm-hmm. to John Witherspoon. I know he's up there, you know, yeah. judging everybody from down below. Look, ugly, old, old, ugly ass. You know, talking shit about uh-huh. everybody from up there. And, you know, everybody uh, put on a Friday this weekend. You yeah, can't really sure. go wrong, any of them. Christmas season's coming up, maybe Friday after next. No, I won't be watching know. that, but... You don't like Friday after next? Nah. Next mm. Friday ends it for me. You know, when he goes, brothers, bop, bop, barbecue. Tastes so good, make you want to slap your mama. And he goes, mama! And she, what you want, Willie? He slap him. Bow! Yeah. He slaps the shit out of his mom, which yeah. you should never do, but it is hilarious yeah. in the Friday I'm movie. just not a fan. I get it, but the first two are classics. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess you know it's a hit or hit or miss. Some people like Friday After Next, some people don't. Yeah. I love it, but not as much as the other one. <laughs> but you can't. For me, according to Frank, you can go wrong. For me, you can't really go wrong. Pick a Friday, watch some episodes of The Boondocks, yeah. which is a very that show is so poignant and ahead of its time that you could watch it at any point in time, and you're getting you're laughing and getting the knowledge and. The satire and the, the Robert Kelly episode was so good. Yeah. Like, that was like the first episode of the show was the trial of R. Kelly, and this was in 2005. Yeah. You know? And they're just kind of like, why are you supporting this man? And it took us another 14 years to say, you know what, man? He's nasty. He's canceled. Yeah. It took that long that the Boondocks said something about this decades ago, and people are just now getting around to being like, well, yeah, well, this uh, surviving R. Kelly thing is really fucked up, so we should lock him up, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of R. Kelly, he also decided that um, he wasn't going to come to, he had an appeal or something mm-hmm. this week, and he said, like, nah, I, I got to, my toe hurts, so. I haven't been keeping up with that clown. But um, anyway, <laughs> with with Pops, uh-huh. I, I did recently just see that episode on Martin when he was on there. Yeah, and Bob he was He was, uh, he said, yeah, uh, he was talking to Gina's dad. He was like, uh-huh. how many push-ups can you do? He's like, come on. He said, one, bang, two. <laughs> Bang bang three, <laughs> bang bang bang. That's you just. That's crazy, man. <laughs> she was hilarious, man. John Witherspoon <laughs> is um, one of the funniest people ever, honestly. And I and it made me it made me realize in seeing that that like the Wayans Brothers is not on any streaming platform. You can't just watch the Wayans no. Brothers, which I think is crazy because that show is an incredibly underrated. That show is so funny. Outside of John Witherspoon, the Wayans Brothers, Sean and Marlon Wayans are doing some hilarious things in that show, man. It might be on BT Plus or something. I'm not paying them people. Man, look, I'm not getting... They basically want me to get cable. They want me to pay for each channel individually yeah. and BET Plus and HBO Max and all that. Everybody's not getting my money. Yeah. I already had to pay Hulu for live TV yeah. reluctantly. Yeah. I'm getting the Disney Plus yep, and I too. think I'm going to keep Netflix maybe. I'm not keeping Netflix. So something's got to go. I'm not getting HBO channel, uh, BET channel. Everybody's got fucking Netflix it, for their channels. That's where it's going, man. Man, that's just... That's just that's their answer to cable. And some of these stuffs I can do, I can do without because I got a fire stick and I can watch whatever I want, really. Yeah. So I really just need the, the live TV. Yeah, Netflix is gone for me. Yeah, I, I'm holding on by a thread because there's still some stuff on there. But again, like I said, I have a fire stick so I can watch whatever. Yeah. Even if it's not on, I can watch it 
if it's not on Netflix, even the Netflix shows I can watch on the Fire Stick. Yeah, so, but it's going up though. So it's, I don't. Yeah, it's like at like fifteen. It's like oh my god. I looked at my bell. I was like, whoa, what? Yeah, Netflix is getting out of pocket. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, you know, uh, we're I was gonna say Happy Halloween, but we're this this is a, this episode is coming out after Halloween. But um, rest in peace to Pops once again. America's Pops, um, America's Granddad. Um, the world's a little less funny. Um, and you know but we're gonna keep it moving we're gonna you know continue to laugh at whatever you know clips of john witherspoon being a, acting a damn fool we see and continue to let that joy that he brought to people light us up and make us feel good and um i've been alvin williams joined as always by my partner in true crime franco evans and we'll see you guys next week deuces Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and gamesense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 7 days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park